You're listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. This is Season 8, Episode 6. This episode is sponsored by the 611 Network. 611 is a global network committed to seeking the spiritual and physical freedom of real people enslaved by human trafficking. Visit 611network.org to learn more. Rivers and Robots is an independent band from Manchester, UK, whose sound explores acoustic and electronic elements beneath layers of devotional lyrics and worship-themed motifs. In this episode, I talk with founding member Jonathan Ogden and Nathan Sterling about the creative exploration within their music and how context influences the art they make. You can learn more about Rivers and Robots and their nonprofit organization for artists, Set Sail, in the show notes of this episode. This is my interview with Rivers and Robots on context and creativity. Jonathan and Nathan, it's an honor to have the two of you on Makers and Mystics today. Welcome and thanks for being here. Yeah. Yeah. We've been long-time Makers and Mystic listeners as well, so we're excited. <laughs> One thing that I love about your music, and it's even expressed in the title of Rivers and Robots and Rivers being more of this organic, acoustic, earthy sound, whereas robots would be more of the electronic or digital elements. I'd love to know some of the inspirations behind the work that you're creating from either Nathan or Jonathan. What are some of the inspirations that brings this sound to life? Yeah, I feel like for us, like growing up in Manchester, it's a um, full-on music city. So every night there'll be probably like, I don't know, 10 gigs going on every night probably in different venues and we're very much like live music people so we love going and seeing shows and so i don't know like tame impala will be playing or like grizzly bear might be in town or all these different cool indie bands and it's like every evening it would be a different genre um, a different kind of music and it's just great just getting to enjoy different styles and things like that and i guess when we came to sort of writing and creating and stuff we we didn't understand why worship has kind of like been put into a small category of like what we sing on a Sunday and like whether it's a singable song that people can join in with. Like we just didn't like the confined nature of worship, like that it's become like a package for congregations. It's like, hey, maybe we can like stretch that definition of what worship has to look like and what it has to sound like and just explore like, what's it like when you're playing in a in a club venue and half the room aren't christians like what does worship music look like in that context and just basically bring what we love like creativity and stuff and bring that into the worship style i don't know if you want to expand on that jonathan yeah i think it it was almost like worship became a genre for a while of like (laughs) it has its own sound to be worship music and I guess it was kind of just questioning that of like is it a genre or can you use a totally different style and still call it worship and so I think, I mean, my upbringing just with my family, like my dad was very much into the 60s music and all the harmonies like Everly Brothers and Paul Simon, Crosby, Stills and Nash. And then 
I'm the youngest in quite a big family, so a lot of my brothers grew up in like the 80s and all of that stuff. And one of my brothers is a DJ and plays like minimal house music and all this kind of stuff. So it was like a real mixed bag of sounds that I just grew up with in the house. And I think it was kind of part of my journey of even starting to lead worship at my home church. And I had just songs that would come out while I'm sitting at home trying to write things. And I was like, well, these don't sound like the type of songs that we usually sing on Sunday morning, but it is my honest expression of worship. And it's just a genre that is more like me, I guess, more than what I'm familiar with. And so it was almost a curiosity thing. I was like, I'm just going to record these. I don't know if anyone will even like it or <laughs> if there's any audience for this whatsoever. <laughs> I was literally like, maybe my friends will hear it on Facebook and like it. But yeah, we kind of gradually started getting emails from people and it seemed to kind of strike a chord with people. Like we got emails saying, I've been looking for something different in the worship space. And, you know, this is a lot more like the music I connect with just on a musical level and but I'm able to worship with it now. And yeah, it was just really encouraging seeing that there's actually people out there that enjoy this kind of stuff. So <laughs> it's been a fun journey. Several things that you both said stood out to me. One is whether we think of worship as a genre of music as opposed to a motivation behind the music. Mm -hmm. But the other thing that you mentioned that stuck out to me is context. And I think for all art forms, context is such a part of the expression. In fact, if you're familiar with David Byrne from Talking Heads, he wrote the book, How Music Works. Mm. And he talks about the venue and how the venue, whether it's a little dingy club in New York City or a huge stadium or you know a small room with a small gathering of people, that the venue itself contributes to the art form, to the music, to the sound, and, and to the energy behind it. And I love what you were both saying about taking this sound, taking your music, motivated by worship, motivated by devotion, but taking it out of the traditional settings and going to a club, or mm. what will happen if we do this in another setting? And I think that's part of what adds to the innovation of your music. Yeah. Um I just just this whole conversation I'm thinking about it's probably maybe a bit on a tangent but um we were out in the Philippines we went to do some prison st some stuff in prisons playing some music sharing the gospel in 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 prisons in the Philippines and um they had like a little worship team in this prison of all the prisoners who'd become Christians and none of them had ever been in a church so they'd all been like professional musicians in the club scene and they were writing their own worship songs because they didn't really know what else was out there you know and like the styles and things they were coming up with was so strange and foreign it was like listening to Led Zeppelin <laughs> singing about Jesus um, <laughs> and it's a bit like I love that thing of like going beyond what's expected with worship like the, that we can bring our own voice and our own style and I think yeah, that's that's something I'm really interested in. Like, let's let's push out the boat a bit more. Like, mm -hmm. like what what are you like? What's your language? How do you express your love for Jesus? Or is it just four chords and um, repeating choruses? Which is nothing <laughs> wrong with that. But like, there's more there's more to explore, and that's that's kind of what gets us excited. Yeah, I think venue and space like dictates a lot as well. Because even like with our own music, I feel like we've learned from kind of trying things and. I mean, the first two albums that I made in my room were very like like nine minute electronic loops where I'm just singing devotional songs out of the Bible and like <laughs> um, very kind of 
abstract and moody and I just never intended to even play those live. I didn't think it would be that kind of project. And so when we started actually being a band and going into venues and churches and we're kind of singing all these really strange moody songs and suddenly we were like, I think we need some like happy songs and like things that people can join <laughs> in with. And like, it kind of like helps us shape the stuff that we write. And then I think to begin with, like we basically just said yes to everything with like any booking that came in, if it was a festival or a club venue or a church or a leading wish but a conference we were just like yes to it all and then we very quickly started to figure out okay this feels really awkward in this place but like it's working here and i think just a process of trial and error started to see the space that we fit and um and kind of figure that out through time but yeah it definitely makes a big difference <laughs> I love what you said earlier, Jonathan, about when you first started writing music for what became Rivers and Robots, you didn't know if there was an audience that would even latch on to this, you know? Mm. But you followed this curiosity, you followed this inspiration, and I think that's important mm -hmm. because it's a risk to step out to, and by the way, I love the weird moody songs. Those are my favorite <laughs> ones that you do, <laughs> uh, you know, but... I think it's important that we follow the inspirations that we get, even if we don't know if it will succeed, even if we don't know that there's an audience. And so I appreciate that that's a risk that you took mm -hmm. to even follow the path to where you are now. Yeah, I think it's, I'm kind of glad that it was a slow journey in that sense too. I think if it would have become some kind of instant hit with like people, then maybe I'd have took on that pressure to be like, okay, people like this, now I need to make this. Even that second album, I always joke that on release day, I sold one copy and it was to the guy that sat next to me at my work who was like, felt sorry for me, I think. <laughs> but, so even like I got to make two albums without any pressure of like having listeners really. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just purely, you know, I've always defined worship being like a response. Um, like you see something of who Jesus is and we just naturally respond. And for me, it was just like, well, this is my response. This is what I do. So if people like it then cool but like i can't really do anything other than what is my natural way to write and create and so i'm glad that people do like it but <laughs> that was never like the full motivation to begin with i guess you know i would imagine too that if you were writing to satisfy or to placate an already established audience at some point there's going to be a breakdown you won't have the strength to persevere that you that you need when it gets tough mm. but if you are being faithful to a vision that you've been given or if you're being faithful to what's coming out of your heart naturally i would imagine that would give you a deeper foundation to keep pressing forward even when it gets tough totally yeah i think there's something about identities in there and like if you are just yourself and you allow yourself to express who you are then like when people accept you for who you are that's actually really affirming but if you're like having to like put on like a a mask or something or or something to meet an expectation i don't know that's exhausting and like it's one of the things when you experience like true love is is like when someone appreciates your weird quirks and your weird ways that you talk or or act and behave and stuff like that like that's really like amazing when someone's like they find that cute and sweet or whatever <laughs> you're like what you like you like all the weird things i'm saying right now like 
this is doing something for you. <laughs> and I think like when, when you are able to do that with your art and creativity and then people appreciate it and you find there's actually an audience that appreciates the way you do things, that's just way more life-giving for you and probably life-giving for the people listening because you're being honest and you're being yourself. Mm-hmm. And I think there's, I have this theory that I think everybody has an audience. It's just trying to find the people that appreciate what you're doing. And maybe that's 10 people who will appreciate what you do because it's super niche. Or maybe there's a wider audience. I don't know. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we've definitely like walked that line sometimes as well. And like, there've been moments for sure where it's felt like there's this kind of pressure from somewhere to write a certain type of song. And I think one of the instances was like our all things new album which is the first one we did as a band and i feel like there were a couple of songs on there that we kind of thought these will be the ones that people like because these are like nice and simple and like three minutes and then the one that was the most popular by far was shepherd of my soul which was the one that we all thought was like maybe a bit too strange <laughs> we were like are you allowed to have this many parts to a song and like but we just had so much fun making it we were like well if no one else likes it we'll put that on and then that one connected most with people more than the ones we thought people wanted to hear so i think after that we were like let's just make what we like because <laughs> that seems to be what people are digging so yes yes <laughs> i love what you were saying nathan about honesty and what you're both saying about i think there's an audience for everyone you know and i forget who said it to me one time but they said if you're interested in something then there's a likelihood that there's someone else out there who would be interested in it as well And that's part of the risk of the creative process is doing something out of honesty, out of the integrity of our own interest of what we feel invited into and just watching it blossom and watching the audience find the work that we're creating. That's one of the most satisfying things of the creative process for me. Yeah, I think for me, I kind of noticed it when um, we were being encouraged by some promoters to be better at performing on on like the live show and and all this and do this and do that. Um, but we're all kind of like music nerds and we just like like geeking out on the stage a little bit. We don't quite know how to dance and stuff. And I'm like sat there <laughs> playing the bass trying to be cool for the promoter. <laughs> and then I noticed that all of the guys on the front row like also looked completely geeky and they looked a bit out of place and didn't know how to dance either. And then I thought, yes, we found our people. Yes. <laughs> um, and I kind of just got freed of that whole... <laughs> performance mentality yeah yes i've often said that we can perform because we are accepted and not to be accepted it's a mm. it's a completely different mindset but to perform from acceptance rather than to gain acceptance is really freeing for the artist and i think mm-hmm. particularly in the worship arena you know, sometimes the word performance can seem like a dirty word. <laughs> yeah. I, I've seen that before and I, and I get it. It's because, you know, people are looking for the purity of heart and, and they're looking for leaders that are not just trying to soak up the praise for themselves or whatever. But at the same time, I think there's an element of performance that's holy and there's an element of performance that is about connectivity with the audience. Mm. What would you say to that after having performed together for 10 years? Have you found a particular freedom to be a performer and still hold that same space of worship and devotion? Yeah, I think um, I was once at a, a training thing that my brother was running, actually. He's like an older brother of mine, worship leader. And he spoke about leading worship with body language, which is something I've never even thought about. <laughs> I was like, I thought I'm supposed to be like invisible and always look at the floor and like not draw any attention. <laughs> But 
I started to realize like there's a kind of sweetness and almost a pastoral element to like wanting to um, help others to engage and like create space for people to encounter God and like particularly with art like it's easy to say that we just make music for Jesus and like we just want him to hear it but then like really there's no point recording an album because he's already heard the song so <laughs> like there's a reason we take time to create things that are to be shared and are to like encourage other people and I mean I just know the way I've been blessed and like heard a song that's kind of put language to something that was in my heart that I didn't know how to say or been in an event and someone's led something in a way that's just like helped me to engage so easily and I think about even David in the Bible like building this temple that was to be like a place where people would meet with God and like putting time and effort into that and you know all the Bezalel and all those guys that would like have the gift of being able to craft all this stuff in detail and design things and make the clothing and all of that like to be able to put effort and time into crafting something that creates a place that someone can meet with God I think is really beautiful and I think I'm happy to take time in making that as good as it can be if it helps somebody connect with Jesus. I think there's probably a bit of a, a lie as well that I used to always think um, there was a phrase I heard growing up, the best worship leader is an invisible worship leader. So I spent the whole time thinking, okay, so I'm leading worship, so I don't want to play my instrument too well so that people look at me <laughs> and um, I don't want to wear too bright clothes. So everyone's looking. I used, I had a big complex with all of that. That's like honesty. Yeah. But then I, I watched, I read in the Bible about uh, this woman who, walks into a Pharisee's house or whatever it was and smashes a big bottle of perfume on Jesus's feet and upsets absolutely everybody in the room apart from Jesus. And I was like, well, that wasn't invisible. That was extremely visible. And um, it wasn't cheap either. It was very, very extravagant. It was over the top. Like people were really offended and she made a, a complete scene. And I just started thinking about being visible doesn't mean that you're not humble. I think what, what really matters is like, what are you doing when everybody's looking at you? Are you putting that offering on Jesus's feet or are you pointing towards yourself? And I think I think that's a really good gauge when it comes to like performance and being on a stage and trying to lead worship, that it's not like that you have to hide and not be seen, but it's just like, where's the devotion pointed to? Like who who gets scene like is it is it going to jesus or is are you going hey check me out like, <laughs> i feel like that's more when you when you're in the worship realm i think i think if you've got that kind of mindset then you can be very visible you can push boundaries and all sorts of things um but it's just that the focus is the feet of jesus and people might get upset with you they might misunderstand you but that's for them to deal with you know <laughs> I want to ask you about your organization, Set Sail, and your tagline is very similar to our own, where faith meets art. Tell us about Set Sail. What's this all about? Well, Set Sail started as basically like five years ago, we got approached by record labels and we're still in that kind of, I'd say, early point of the band and just starting to feel like maybe we could go full time or like step out into this more. And yeah, started to have these interesting conversations with labels that just had us thinking about things we'd never thought about, like, you know, what our vision is, where we want to be, what kind of places we want to be playing. And it got us to really sit down and discuss and figure out, like, where's this going and what do we want to be with this? And we just all had this kind of 
heart for ministry and heart for missions and none of us wanted to be the next big christian band that like plays in big venues and just does the kind of church tour like we all had this heart to push into creativity and really see like the gospel going out with what we're doing and i think just with our backgrounds like at the time our guitarist was a filmmaker and i was working as a graphic designer and so we'd had a lot of like different areas of creativity we were involved in and kind of just thought like how does a creative person do ministry like how do you take this art and the creative gifts and like use that as a way to point people to jesus and in some ways i feel like we kind of minimize what that can look like like we say you know if you're a musician then you can join the worship team and you know maybe you can design the church flyer and <laughs> all that kind of stuff but i'm like well, what about all these like poets and dancers and all these like amazing creative people who are like sitting here in our congregations and we don't really talk about validating that expression as a way of like actually being missional and doing ministry with that and so it was kind of just a way of like digging into things and saying okay let's let's just talk about this and let's blow this subject open and like validate these people who are like creative in the church and say like you actually have a place and a purpose and and try and share what we've learned like we just try and be really open even on tour we'll kind of like we started doing vlogs and all of that stuff and just showing like let's just bring a camera with us and show exactly what this looks like and how we do it and especially doing the kind of DIY journey and figuring out how do we organize a tour how do we create music and write an album it's like let's just share everything we've learned in a kind of equipping inspiring kind of way that would be like a resource to these people out there because I feel like the more we went like I said like I didn't know if there was any audience for the band to begin with and then the more we started to travel and do this I was like actually there's so many people doing this and like this is not a unique thing at all and I don't want to be trying to build it, our name and like make ourselves a little island I want to like really reach out to other people and if there's other artists and creatives then how can we help each other and serve each other and equip them to do that so yeah we've kind of been doing that five years now and just trying to figure it out <laughs> your biography on the website says that the aim of set sail is to make god known through creative arts and to encourage and to inspire fellow christian artists and creatives this is a broad question for you but tell me why each of you i'd love to hear from both of you tell me why you feel that creativity is an important part of expressing the christian faith yeah one of the things i always say is that music is a language so it's like French or like Spanish or whatever, like it's got um, rules to it and stuff like that. So one of the things that I've been pushing into is more of like the full on mission stuff. So like I said, we're a music city in Manchester, so it didn't make much sense in my head that all the Christian music just stays in church venues. So we started to approach people who ran the music venues and we host worship gatherings in secular music venues and secular club venues with the creative worship style. So it's kind of like when you come in in creativity, not in just like doing the church thing, that's a language that people in music venues can understand. And I, I totally believe that like Christian music doesn't need to be like a substandard thing. It, it can it can stand side by side with secular music. And it's just that the things that you're singing about are your Christian Christian values, Christian themes and stuff like that. I don't think that makes it substandard and I don't think that means it just belongs in a church building like you should be recording your music in Abbey Road like everybody else like you should be um, playing in the same music venues like everybody else and um, that's kind of been one of the things that we've been pushing into it's what I'm talking about visibility is our 
art and music visible or is it just heard on Christian radio and in your church like are you actually do people in in the city know who you are do they know what you're doing like in in the local music scene and stuff like that are you leaving a mark so I'm really interested in that with Set Sail and then um, also then just like more traditional missions of just going out to countries and, and serving local churches and doing all of that as well we do that too but I just want to really see us push the boundaries of worship and Christian art in general and just see like how far does this thing go like can it touch culture yeah I think for me I'm like I've spent a lot of time in the creative world just working in that and now doing set sail like speaking to lots of artists and creative people so I can get very like embedded in the creative mindset but somebody asked me recently like does the bible actually say we need to be creative and use art and I was like no I don't think so like we don't have to use creativity but we get to like this is a gift we've been given like we don't have to make music but like this is something that's available to us like and I just love that even music like on paper it makes no sense like you have this vibrations going on in the air that can like create certain sounds that make us feel happy and sad and there's just no way that makes any sense to exist but god created it as this gift to us and i believe it's like we use what we have basically and so for us like being in creative industries it was kind of that thing of like well what do we have i've got keyboards and guitars and photoshop and a camera so (laughs) like that's what i'm gonna use and yeah i just really believe that the whole thing of creativity is like part of what it is to be made in god's image like he's creative and really extravagant and like creates things that are beautiful and not just functional and i really believe that we have the the gift to be able to do that as well and create things that are actually beautiful and point to who god is just in the facts of the beauty of the thing that we create as well Jonathan and Nathan, thank you so much for joining me on Makers and Mystics and for taking this time to talk with me. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having us. Enjoyed it. Thank you so much for listening to the Makers and Mystics podcast. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Makers and Mystics and leave us a kind review on iTunes. If you'd like to journey deeper into these conversations on art, faith, and culture, you can join our creative collective at patreon.com slash makersandmystics. We'll see you again next week. And until then, keep creating. The world needs your art. Mountains move to the sea. You're a steadfast rock beneath my feet.